Welcome back. Uh, first question. It says, Jesus uh, came to take away the sins of the world, but wasn't he punished for our sins? Referencing Isaiah 53, 5. And if Jesus was punished for our sins, who punished him? So what's the first question when you hear a question like this? What question do you, at least in your mind, say, if not to them? What law lens are you looking through? Okay. So if you have the human law model, then there is no justice without accountability, and the magistrate must hold the lawbreaker in, in, uh, accountable and inflict the punishment. So you hear language like this, you think, yes, he was punished, and he was punished by the, the magistrate in charge. And so many Christians teach that God killed Jesus at the cross in order to uh, punish him judici- judicially or legally for our sins. It's actually not what the Bible teaches. When you have design law model, and you can understand there can be punishment, but then from where does the punishment come? First, just look at some scripture. The wages of sin is death. Would death be a punishment for sin? Yes. But from where does the Bible say it comes? From, From sin, okay? Sin, when full grown, brings forth death, James chapter 1, verse 15. Those who sow the carnal nature from that nature reap destruction. So the Bible teaches there is a punishment, but the punishment is not inflicted by God. It comes out from from uh, sin because sin transgresses the law, and the law is the law upon which life is built. So the example, again, we've said many times, would be somebody who transgresses and ties a plastic bag over their head, breaks the law of respiration, and they are punished for it by reaping in their cells what they have chosen, which is death. They cut themselves off from the source of life. Now, if you go back to the Isaiah 53 5, and just go one verse before, it actually makes this very plain. Isaiah 53, 4, and we'll read 4 and 5. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He took the sin condition. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. So he took up our infirmities, took up our sin condition, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. So the Bible says he's going to take up the sin condition. He's going to be born of a woman under law, Galatians 4.4. But we are going to misconstrue and see it through the lens of human law, and we're going to teach and consider that God is the one striking him. And that's exactly how it's been taught, because we have the wrong law model. And then he goes, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, we are healed. So we're going to consider it legal, but the reality is the condition that brings death, he is going to take upon himself and destroy, destroys death and brings life and immortality to life, so that we can be healed. Adam caused the human species to become unrighteous or sinful. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteous of God. We become healthy in Christ. Okay. And so that, that is the, that is the big difference. And all goes back to worshiping the creator and understanding how his laws work. So in a statement by Jesus, Matthew seven, eight, for everyone who asks receives, is this a design law? where the process of asking for a new heart actually is effectual in making the change inside of us physiological. So, first off, the the context is one of uh, salvation, asking for God to provide what's necessary for salvation. Um, God is love. Love is not self-seeking. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. God's only the son reconciled the world himself. So it is law of God's nature and character, how he functions, that he is constantly seeking the beneficence and well-being of his creatures. Uh, it is a law that love only exists in atmosphere of freedom. And therefore, God stands at the door and knocks. Those who open the door, he comes in, but he doesn't use a battering ram and force his way in. So it is a law that you must ask and invite him in in order for you to freely um, receive what he has provided. 
so that your individuality is retained. God, as the supreme, all-powerful creator, has the power to override your individuality, force his way, and rewrite your neural net in the way he would prefer it to be. But if he did that without your voluntary participation, then you cease to exist, and he creates a new entity where you used to be. The only way for your individuality to be retained is for you to voluntarily participate. Be persuaded in your own mind, invite him in, say, yes, I choose that, and then you receive the power from God to live that way, and that's how you're uh, maintained while you're transformed. So it is a law. Mark sixteen eighteen. they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. If someone told you it would be okay to go ahead and get the current jab, uh, and then uh, quoted this verse, how would you respond? Okay, the context of this verse is Jesus sent out the 70 into areas to take the gospel. If they are opposed and something is working to hurt them in taking the gospel, God will intervene to protect them for the purposes of advancing the gospel. We see in the life of Paul, where at one of the islands he was shipwrecked on, he reached out at the fire and a snake bit him. And the, the locals there said, oh no, that's a bad snake. You're gonna, you must, you must be under a curse to, to be saved from the ship and only to be bitten by a snake here. You must be under the curse of some God. And he just shook it off and nothing happened to him. And they were amazed. And then they listened to what Paul had to say that he didn't die in the shipwreck and he also didn't die by being bit by this poisonous snake. It didn't have any power over him. So for the advancement of the gospel, um, this is what it's talking about. Uh, to apply it to the uh, medical intervention that is uh, without any actual evidence and not necessary for your advancement uh, would be a complete misapplication of Scripture, applying something where it doesn't apply. And so I would tell them that these are completely two different scenarios, and to apply Scripture here um, uh, to that scenario, it just doesn't apply at all. However, if you were advancing the gospel and someone forcibly injected something into you against your will, like the snake poison going into Paul's hand, Hand, uh, then if it was God's purposes in that moment, then he would protect you from it. That, that's what the Bible is teaching. But it's not the same as tempting the Lord and saying, well, you know what? Because of this promise, we're going to bring some rattlesnakes into our, our church, and we're going to handle them, and people who get bitten, it won't matter. Uh, that is not what this is talking about. And the injection would be kind of like handling rattlesnakes and purposely exposing yourself to a toxin. So suggestion on how to simply present a God of love to Sabbath school class juniors and preteens 9 through 13. So uh, I would tell you, if you haven't gotten it, uh, email us. Tell us you're teaching a, a, a preteen uh, Sabbath school class and uh, ask for our uh, children's book. We will send you one, no cost, if you have a U.S. postal address. We will send it at no cost. You can check that out. It is designed for young people. Um, our, our granddaughter, who is uh, turning 10 this year, she loves it, and it just makes it very simple and easy to understand. And that can give you a framework to build your own stories off of. So I would tell you, if you're looking for something along those lines, get that from us. We'll send it no cost. Good morning, Tim. With the understanding that death is the result from sin, can you expand on how God has delayed or holds back this damage to give humanity time to see their error and to, by grace, give them the opportunity to choose life, choose Christ? Is there scripture or inspired word that will help others understand? Is there any analogy or story to help? So Peter talks about this. Uh, let me find the text and I'll read it to you. Uh, and Peter talks about this in Second Peter three eight. For do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand his slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
And so this text, I think, makes the point that you were suggesting, that God doesn't accelerate. He gives as much time as possible for all people to be fully persuaded in their own mind, holding back the four winds of strife, um, sending his angels a hedge of protection, allowing for the truth to be presented so that people can comprehend and make up their own decisions. Uh, Eventually, though, his as people harden their heart, the Holy Spirit is slowly withdrawn from the earth, and as the Holy Spirit is slowly withdrawn on the earth, evil gets more liberty and more chaos begins to happen and more corruption both in the hearts of men and in nature happens. The Bible describes this as the end time events occurring, and those events transpire to waken the slumbering people who haven't made a decision up what's happening, and then they're put in circumstances, and I'll tell you what COVID did and the COVID mandates and jabs, it basically put almost every human being in the world in the position where they had to make a decision on what methods that they were going to incorporate into their own lives and how they treated others, how they treated their own family members, how they treated their neighbors, how they treated their coworkers, how they treated their subordinates. How am I going to, what method? Well, I use the methods of earthly powers to coerce the consciences of other people, to force them to do things that I think they need to do so I can feel more secure. Or will I present the truth? I really think this is important for you. I, I might be fully persuaded that this is going to save you, but but I recognize it's your choice and I'll, I'll persuade you with evidence and truth and my love for you, but I'll leave you free and I'll respect your decision. Which method will I use in how I approach others? And the method we choose to apply, and Jesus said when he separates the sheep from the goat, in the end, the sheep from the goats, he gives the specific examples repeatedly. You visited me, you fed me, you clothed me, etc., etc. As you did it unto one of the least of these, you've done it unto me. He doesn't say, well, you got baptized in the right way. You gave the attestation to the 28 fundamentals. You went to church on the right day. You ate the right food. You dressed in the right way. No, how you treated others. Do you treat others with God's principles, which solidifies God's living law of love into your heart and mind? You become like that person because you're admiring Jesus and following his principles. Or do you accept the imperial law model and are willing to coerce others? Every person, COVID did this, put them in a position where people had to make these decisions and how they treated others. It, it was the first go-round that sets the world up to accept a more strong and authorita- authoritative. This philosophy now has been accepted by many that the ends justify the means. It's okay. As long as you're going to save lives, it's okay. It's not okay. And, uh, and so that, that's how I see this, that... Uh, God is working out in these events, uh, and the Holy Spirit is slowly withdrawn. More and more coercive pressures are coming to bear in chaos, and people want to feel safe, and they're willing to use uh, power over others uh, to do it. It says, why did Jesus have to die for our salvation? It's as simple as that. You can explain it a hundred different ways. No human being could be saved after Adam sinned without Jesus becoming incarnate, living a sinless life, and dying. And he died according to Scripture. To destroy him holds the power of death that is the devil, Hebrews 2.14. To destroy death and bring life and immortality to light, 2 Timothy 1.10. To destroy the devil's work, 1 John uh, 3.8, which in the devil's work, we face the image of God in man and put Satan's image where God should be. And Christ restored the image of God in man. And to solidify Colossians 1.18, all things in heaven and earth are reconciled to Christ at the cross. And he died in order to destroy the lives of Satan and solidify the little angels in their loyalty so they could not be ever led astray again. So that's the last question. So let's close with prayer. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for your love and we thank you for all that you've achieved in Christ. We ask that you will uh, finish your work in us and make us effective witnesses for you, that you may come soon. We pray in your holy name. Amen.